Welcome to the Start Here podcast for web development. I'm Keith Monahan, And I'm Dane Miller. And we're here to help you build a career in web development. You can find us online at starthere.fm. So Node.js, what is Node.js? Node.js is a server-side implementation of JavaScript that is written um, using the JavaScript V8 runtime developed by Google. And it provides sort of like an event-driven architecture, and, and its focus is on non-blocking uh, performance, or sorry, non-blocking I.O., which just mm-hmm. means it's based in an async sort of world where there's no sync needed. And obviously, this is application-dependent. Some apps do require sync, surprisingly, but, you know, it's... But what does that mean? Like, what can you give us an example of so, what asynchronous sure. and so, non-blocking means? Well, I can't think off the top of my head of what an example on the web would be where sync is required. But, for instance, on an iOS app, let's say uh, you have a side... We're, we're running into this right now. So you have a sidebar on an iOS app, and the sidebar contains multiple different um, podcast networks. And then you click on one of the podcast networks, and it takes you to that screen in the app, but it will actually show you a blank screen until the data is loaded. So you actually don't want to initialize the sidebar until the data in the networks has loaded, such that when you click the networks, it displays the data immediately. So you have a little bit of a sync. So that means synchronous operation. So you need to click the menu bar, then synchronously you need to wait until the blocking of the data retrieval is done, and then the Mm -hmm. thread opens, the sidebar flies out, you click the, the network, all is good. All the data is there, right? Async mm-hmm. just means it happens um, like asynchronously. I don't know what another way to define that is. It just okay. happens. Let me try. Yeah, go ahead. Let me try. So typically when you request information from the server, you have a direct connection and you are using up those server resources while the server delivers that content to you with something that's non-blocking, like a persistent connection. Is You could send a request to the server and then your client could go on and do other things while the server prepared that data. And then the data could just get sent to your client Yep. when it when that data was prepared. And so what it does, it doesn't tie up this, the client or the server for that wait time while that information is being prepared. And so I guess it allows more people to connect to a server at a time because you're not utilizing all that server, all the server resources just waiting. That's correct. You're not utilizing mm-hmm. the server resources in real time. You're queuing the server requests. So uh, a thousand people can hit your website and make a server request by clicking a button that says server request. And then if it's async, it will just queue all those requests and it will just queue. And then it will execute one after the other, after the other, after the other. And that's perfect. I mean, you are going to get persistent, uh, dependable. uh, Those aren't the right words. You're going to get deterministic uh, server load and you're going to get deterministic server response time, right? unless you're mixing up the mm-hmm. type of requests and that's different. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes again, sync is useful such as like the one-off case, like the example I described. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So typically when you're using Node.js and you want to have the kind of, I guess the persistence that you might see with Gmail where just where stuff comes in or you have chat or something like that. Um, and I guess that was one of the inspiring factors for, you know, when Node.js was created. So Ryan Dahl created Node.js and his idea was to create, you know, a real-time, you know, a server that could facilitate real-time websites with push capability, yep. like what we experience on phones. Yep. And I, he was inspired by Gmail. 
And the whole idea was that using a service like Socket.io, you can have this persistent connection where literally you have a direct connection between the server and the client at all times. And the benefit there is that um, instead of what typically happens is where the client sends a request to the server and then the server can then send something back to the client. Instead, you have that open communication where the server knows the client is connected and then they can send, the server can send information or notifications to the client whenever, whenever they want to. Like if some information is updated, they can, they know that you're connected and so they can just send you that new information. Yep. And we should mention also that Node.js is obviously a runtime environment. I don't think I mentioned that earlier. So Node.js is a runtime environment, exactly like PHP. Like we described earlier, you install this runtime environment on your server. Then you can execute applications written in JavaScript against the Node.js runtime, just exactly like PHP in a way. You have PHP installed on your server. You can write a PHP file to execute against that. Hmm. So Node.js is better suited to building fast, scalable network applications you know, as it's capable of handling a huge number of simultaneous connections. So the reason it can handle simultaneous connections is because it's built in a non-blocking manner using a single thread. So the server runs and replies to everything on one thread, and that just mm -hmm. means one process. And mm -hmm. it can use tens of thousands or maybe even potentially a hundred thousand connections on that one server because or sorry on that one thread because it is non-blocking so that allows you to spin up multiple servers with multiple threads mm -hmm. and allows for all of that to exist in parallel whereas to do that same thing with other languages you might have to install like a third party that sort of allows for this type of non-blocking interaction so uh there is um a package manager yep NPM. Uh, NPM. Mm -hmm. Yep. The node package manager. And that allows you to, just like with uh, Rails and Laravel, allows you to install um, all sorts of, uh, you know, add-ons or applications that can extend and add functionality. How could you integrate a real-time push capability into a regular website so that it actually provided a cool and better user experience? push capability from what to where from the server to the client right right so like like uh what well, do you use socket io um, right well i mean before that you mean no i know how you would do it mm. but why would you do it right now websites are your standard business web page is a brochure but using node and uh, Socket.io and these technologies to, to create, uh, essentially it's a presence system. What what could it do? Well, I mean, there... How could, you, how could that be a better user experience? Well, so imagine it on bidding sites. Don't imagine it on brochure sites, right? So imagine but it on But that's all a, I make. Well, like, but I'm, like, well you don't need you were to, to take, Node, right? I mean, you could well, just for the fun of it. this is the future. What is? No, It's got to be the future. Yeah, asynchronous communication between the client like all the time i don't think that the type of website that you make is deciding of like what technology stack that's not what i was getting at like i totally think you can use node like all you want but you're probably if you're building like a brochure site or something non-trivial you know or sorry something trivial then you're probably going to not use some of the advanced functionality like at the 
State Department, we didn't really get into the presencing of like Socket.io and some of the other system stuff until the very, very like last weeks because it's really not necessary because you have a lot of asynchronous communication happening via Ajax. And that usually, I mean, that in high frequency trading systems, they use Ajax and uh, asynchronous communication. They don't need it to be 100% persistent communication and presence. Mm throughout i think there's like a theory thing behind it like oh that's it's better to to be like a a persistent socket that you can send data bits over so that you don't lose i mean i don't really understand the theory so so i guess what i'm getting at is uh it's christmas and you can have whatever you want and you know my wish for christmas is that every website could have painless always on persistent communication from the server to the client where there's this real-time communication going on. What do you do with it? Well, how do you, how can you, I'm, I'm trying to like, how can you make a better user experience using persistence on a typical brochure site, right? Like if you were to look into the future. Well, it's for live updating. A good example is, I mean, it's really not useful for everything. It's useful for chat and it's really useful for live updating tweets on Twitter. Um, Twitter uses a system like this, but it's built on something else. But mm-hmm. it's very similar, right? It creates a socket connection to the front end, and then it will... They, they actually don't do this on their web app, but their API does it. Um, mm. So what that means is you would open a socket to the back end and say, anytime there's data updated here from something... So, it, you know, here's a socket But you can to do the, that with, with Ajax and long polling. Uh, so that's correct. Obviously, this is an um, alternative to polling. Right? right. So in a normal polling environment, you say, here's a connection from this to the table uh, user tweets. And then mm-hmm. anytime any user in the world tweets, it gets funneled to that table. That table notices a change event and then pushes the change event to the client and the client displays the change event. And the difference with Ajax is you have to literally check every second. Is there a change? Right. Is there a change? Is there sure. a change? And that and is that's a huge drain yeah, on the server. But Okay, so so that's why resources, right? Server resources. Yeah, that's huge. Okay, okay. So if you have something that needs to be updated constantly, but what about and computation, technical computation? It's not just about server resources. The uh-huh. amount of computation time to say is this is it ready? Is it ready? Is it ready? Is it ready? Is so drastically o oh, to the nth times more computationally intensive than just send it. You know, it's like completely drastically mm. different paradigms i think that's what i was getting at when i said the theory you know right I, that, does yeah does ajax require more resources on the client side as well well it depends what you mean by resources on the client side so ajax is going to require you to have jquery or some kind of ajax implementation so that's a library that has to be loaded into memory uh socket io unfortunately has a javascript library too so you're gonna have to load that into memory um and then you're gonna have to do a in-memory request so you're going to be right. doing uh, a request to the server, but in this case, the server makes a rec- makes a push to you. So you're actually you're probably going to be like a little bit less with the socket I/O environment than with the jQuery AJAX environment. Okay. From from memory usage specifically, right? And and CPU like people forget about this. When if I re- open the the console on my Chrome and then I type mm-hmm. some kind of like JavaScript loop that never stops. That mm-hmm. literally will access the CPU on my computer and start to spin it up, right? People people forget about that. <laughs> right, and that's what I was getting at. Hmm. 
So right now, when somebody's on the web, mm -hmm. they're very much an island. <laughs> they are one person accessing and looking at a website. Mm -hmm. But if you could have a persistence, a persistence program on your website that it either showed how many people were viewing it right then live, mm -hmm. and maybe even as you're reading an article, it shows you how many people are reading that same section at the same time, mm -hmm. maybe even offering that chat so you could chat with people who are reading it with you at the same time. Mm. I don't know. It's, then, it, then it becomes a community experience. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're getting at is like, imagine picking this conversation up and kind of chunking it down the road into the future a little bit and then dropping it down like in four years or two years or six months or something. And I think Sock.io is the answer to a lot of questions in the future where everything is reliant on APIs, right? So currently we have mm. a lot of API usage, but we don't have quite as much API usage as we will in the future when the internet of things and everything becomes more, once every single thing becomes connected, the only way to communicate is APIs. And you'll, mm -hmm. you'll have a lot of businesses being created that are APIs as a service, backend as a service, like right. we'll do really unique things like concatenate a hundred thousand APIs into one API that then you make requests on. Well, guess what? That needs to be on a socket. And if that is on a socket, you have access to an almost indescribable amount of functionality in real time. So you can mm. do, you can and install an analytics plugin on your website, uh, open a socket, hit that API um, constructor that is like some kind of service that, that concatenates all the APIs, and then you return all your Google Analytics data, all your blah, blah, blah data, all your email analytics data, et cetera. So in real time, right? So it's all about mm -hmm. the real-time web. And I think we exactly. are moving more into a real-time web, so perhaps it'll become more useful. Right. I, I guess what's fascinating for me is thinking about what that experience would look like from a user's perspective. Mm -hmm. And the, I guess the, that's kind of the only way I can, I see it here now, like in the future, when, when a persistent connection becomes ubiquitous. Right. What, what, what are people going to use that for? And something I would be interested, I, I love community. I love the idea of building a community and, and doing things together. And, yeah. and so I think it would be just incredibly fascinating to, I mean, it wouldn't be, I guess it would only work for, like from a marketing standpoint for websites that have a lot of traffic. Mm -hmm. um, but it would be incredibly fascinating to see how many people were, were like were on the site and maybe even have access to chat with those people or, and then also who like, who were reading an article and scrolling at the same, same speed that you were or something. I don't know. It's just, there's a lot um, of social it, features you could build around yeah. it. Yeah. I, I know, it's fascinating. There's some other, interesting aspects of it as well if you kind of move away from the front end and you look at sort of like the server um side and i sort of went on an accidental tangent on this tonight where it's like you have all these servers that um can communicate in a distributed fa fashion but can potentially perform calculations or computation on the same problem and by that it could mm -hmm. mean literally just like a database query right so mm -hmm. you have um, like a cluster database or something or like a sharded database across multiple servers. And then, you know, you make a request to the database. Obviously, current databases have uh, support for this. But imagine you are implementing one from scratch using Node and Socket and real-time return data. Well, then you have to worry about like all this like um, distributed computing stuff. And, and it's like Node the community behind node has been like really into this type of world where they're trying to, you know, spend like 
the no I, I have a I've been on a couple message boards where the all the guys there are like putting React clusters, which is like a a weird type of database in uh in their house using like hard drives and stuff, and then making like uh some sort of distributed computation example, and then doing uh node stuff to like hit it and like try to run in certain parallel Mm -hmm. patterns and stuff and it's just like stuff like that where you know good to see right like good to Mm -hmm. see that because uh it's necessary and people like me and you doing that is uh freaking really good to see because it Mm -hmm. means we're just gonna go forward so fast right i don't really understand all the like complexity behind it because i'm not a phd guy but (laughs) (laughs) it's fascinating to, to think about where where it can go I guess because I'm, I'm, you know, I primarily spend my time in the front end. I like to think about what kind of user experiences we could enable. So, what is an example of a cool user experience other than what you've already talked about? Hmm. Well, you could tailor a website experience. Our generation, I think, especially, is much more interested in experiences. Mm-hmm. For example, I think our parents' generation, like maybe the baby boomers, they were much more into things, like getting things in you know, houses and yeah. vehicles and, and stuff. Because maybe their parents, who were the um, the old-timers who went through the Great Depression, didn't have that. But our generation, and partly because of the Depression and because of the lack of job opportunities. Um, and partly just because of the swinging back and forth. <laughs> Yeah, for whatever it is, there isn't as much money, and I think that maybe ha- maybe has driven our generation to value experiences more. Sure. Anyway, all of that to say, you could you could have a user hit your website, and you could make some decisions about whether whether you know anything about that user uh-huh. somehow as they travel your site. You could learn things and then tailor the experience of that they see based on the interaction or based on what you already know about that person in real time you could make those those decisions in real time yeah wouldn't that be crazy changing the website or changing the experience as they're on it yeah i mean uh, what if you're scrolling through a big blog post and that guy has socket io enabled and every single user that connects to the website has a socket io connection on a port in the server and they do a um a highlight on the blog post and it shows up mm-hmm. in real time uh right. for everybody else so nobody highlights duplicative content but at the same time they can like vote on something that's already that's like really weirdly hard for me to imagine how to code but well that sounds but, cool but medium does this where you can you can highlight some text and then you can tweet it right well right but i but what if what if you could see that in real time yeah, as, exactly. you're, as you're as you're reading a medium article yeah. somebody highlights and then tweets and you can see it as they're you know they highlight it and then they tweet it and then somehow it there's this graphic you know thing of a tweet that like shows up in front of you and then just flies off the screen after you've read it or something it's mm-hmm. like this person just now tweeted this about this article yeah i mean there is this like this concept where i feel like we go into the real world and we can see so much, right? We can see things happening with our own eyes and like we can see the real time nature of the world. Somebody goes to a coffee shop, we see it, you know, we're looking in from the outside, but on the web, we don't really get that. And I feel like that's why we love Mm -hmm. Twitter and we love Facebook because Mm -hmm. we can see Mm -hmm. the like real time tweets coming in from all around the world. And we're obsessed with like seeing things and just, this is what's happening now. Yeah. And feeling like, 
we're a part of this community or or whatever, even if maybe that's not what we feel, we're just obsessed with like the dopamine new, new, new real now time sort of stuff, mm -hmm. real time now. Uh, but I mean, it's hard to imagine how those experiences translate to a normal everyday web experience of browsing and reading. And it's like, it's almost as though there needs to be an entire rethink on UI in a way mm -hmm. from, from my perspective, it literally feels like you could build a website mm -hmm. and have a little chat bubble in the top right. Like, so imagine you're on a website and then around the frame of the website appeared a mm -hmm. little bubble with a circle and the profile photo of the person logged in in real time that they logged in. So the bubbles are popping in and out of existence as they happen and mm -hmm. you can drag files and shit to people. And it's like mm -hmm. this, like that type of an experience I don't think, but it happens everywhere, right? It, right, and it's not just on one website, which you could probably experience now. Yeah. But it happens everywhere, all right. over the web. So here's another example. Take that even further. What if there was a bookmarklet that initiated a JavaScript plugin on any website that you were on that somehow initiated a massive uh, EC2 cluster that had Socket IO instances, an unlimited amount of Socket IO instances that it could spin up. And then any website that you were on, no matter what, you could see all the other people browsing as long uh -huh. as both uh -huh. of you had the bookmarklet. So I had this exact idea like about a year ago. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I, seriously. And I love the idea. And it's about, it is about that social experience. And it eventually, I, you know, I just like, well, because having something like that, a bookmarklet would require people to get on board. Yeah. But what if, I guess right in this right in this same vein is is and I guess to extend the whole over sh oversharing or the social social sharing how we share basically every aspect of our lives sure. um, to extend that why couldn't you let people see what you're doing on the web in real time you share like you would go and you would share an afternoon with somebody you could share your your browsing. So somebody could stalk you and they could see exactly yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. But what it means is that maybe you've got you've got a whole group of friends. Um, hopefully this isn't connected to Facebook, but it could be. Yeah. And you could see when anybody hits an article that you've read. Or maybe even when you're reading an article about Node.js, you can see that somebody else is reading an article about it. Not the same article necessarily. Yeah. Or maybe it's in it's not maybe it's not about Node.js, maybe it's about web development, but you could get notifications saying, Oh, this person is reading about web development. Well, so my thing is, how do we make this useful? Like the notifications and like the social stuff, like some of it doesn't seem very useful. It almost seems like we're just playing with it, like trying to figure out cool, fun uses of this. What is something that would like actually be technically and like personally useful to somebody that mm -hmm. is an implementation of this? And it's like we've seen... Um, products try to do these social curated experiences like turntable.fm where you all log in and you go to a, uh, uh, a music room and then it shows an avatar for every person there. And it's like yeah. everybody there is rocking out together or whatever. And it's like yeah. it was a shared, know, experience. shared experience. Like, I mean, you're kind of describing that. Like you go on a mm -hmm. date in real life. What if you could do that on the web somehow? Well, I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. But is there any usefulness to share notifications and things beyond that i think that the experience would have to bring people together and create meaningful connections between people yeah. it couldn't just be oh so and so is reading an article mm -hmm. i don't think that would be very helpful because we already have that with twitter mm -hmm. it would have to be 
more interesting. I think it would need to help engage us in conversations, help us connect with people, or have conversations somehow. I mean, we can do that with Twitter a little bit, but it's it's different when it's real time. Yeah. You could do like a 3D, I don't know. I'm just, you know what my thing is lately is like every solution to most problems that I'm thinking about lately is to completely blow away this concept of a 2D experience. I'm so sick of like the 2D nature of the web. Like Mm -hmm. if I could just take this website I'm looking at right now for Socket.io and just literally take my hands and push. And partially I'm saying this because a a buddy of mine got an Oculus Rift development kit. Mm. And he's been texting me photos of like what it looks like while he's programming up like the the test uh, build, right? With Mm. uh, like the Unity framework using really simple programming and getting like a horizon with a beautiful sunset. And it's like, hmm. it's like, I just want to take this like 2d website and push it back. And then it blows mm-hmm. out into like a node mm-hmm. and I can navigate all the nodes of all the sites interconnected to this with my hands. And then mm. I can take that and I can copy those nodes into a mind map. And then I can mind map my own mind in 3d. And then I can take that and copy and paste that into a list in 2d and it's like this constriction of of one dimension 2d Mm -hmm. is fucking with us because the lack of being able to develop and brainstorm in three dimensions is Mm -hmm. making it difficult for us to create complex programs 100 percent agree i think we are missing out on ways to understand the world and understand all the information that we have and be able to make sense of it because we are sitting in front of a 2d experience because i mean essentially what you're talking about is a 3d representation of information and connections and those those nodes and the lines and the connections between them and how do you visualize that i don't know that there is any kind of an engine that does that in a satisfactory way right well there is some i mean it's not that hard i mean all i want is a dot that represents every website and then a dot connecting it and every single connection I want with a line and a dot. And then you can click on the Mm -hmm. dot and blow out the dot. Maybe you can expand on the dot and see more details without fully diving into the dot the dot being a website. Mm -hmm. You're describing my my visual history search that we we talked about. Yeah. I mean, it's for the web for the real time. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it would be cool. There's definitely been browsers that have experimented with like a 3D display. And it's not Mm -hmm. like so much I care about the browser being 3D. I I just want some kind of virtual reality toolkit to where I can extend all the apps on my computer into a virtual world blown Mm. out with the goggles on my face and manipulate it with my hands and then port it back. And I want that – I want – the brainstorming effect of my 3D program, my 3D uh, brainstorm to be represented on my 2D screen when I bring it back. So I don't mm. lose the data, the, the differential of thinking that you get on a 3D environment. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a lot of yeah. people try to do this. They like print out stuff, right? They'll print out stuff and like take little note cards and like organize mm-hmm. and be like, here's my app I'm trying to build. Here's the thing. And then it's, and that's like a really cool way to do what I'm talking about. That's like totally mm-hmm. legit. Like you're 3d thinking. Good job. But mm-hmm. it's not optimal because you can't copy and paste. You can't just grab something and throw it over there and throw You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So you're the person might put stuff on a, you know, bulletin board or put stuff on a whiteboard or on their desk yeah. or just all around them and create this kind of immersive um, experience into whatever they're, they're brainstorming yeah. but if it was in a 3d world oh my gosh i can imagine 
you know, I used to play for a little bit. I played Eve Online. Yeah. And too. that was a fun 3D experience, uh-huh. but it was limited by the uh, mouse and keyboard. Mm-hmm. And if you could have some sort of an immersive, you know, Oculus, Oculus Rift type environment yeah. where you can use your hands to interact with that environment, instead of just thinking about how we can use that for gaming, yeah. how can we use that to rethink information yeah. and organizing our thoughts? And Elon Musk already did this, right? So, like, his his uh, Tesla, or not Tesla, uh, SpaceX, like, they were building uh, rocket engines, and they were constricted by the mouse and keyboard. So, they still use the, um, the, the, the monitors, but they also have a 3D display, kind of like where it uses lasers to draw it on the wall. But I, the demo I saw, they were on the computer, but they are now able to use their hands, like uh, Minority Report, to display and expand and move around this 2D object that's mm. represented in a 3D way, right? So that's cool. That's one step forward. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I um, imagine this, like imagine the web now doesn't exist on the web and it, it, it exists inside of goggles and Oculus Rift. Or it exists in these little devices that we buy. We put them on our desk and it projects this uh, 3D environment around us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, how does a world mm. like that get populated using real-time data? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> like, so I For think sure. socket IO becomes socket IO like technologies, perhaps not socket IO literally, but technologies like that, uh, can be used to script these sort of connections. I mean, initially an environment like that would be, would be populated by the web itself, you know, so yeah. like you would crawl the web and you would find these connections and you would draw these connections, but a good portion of that experience would have to, I mean, yeah, it would have to be live, wouldn't it? I mean... I think so, yeah. I mean, yeah, just imagine would. the world around you morphing and changing to represent the data. Well, and then you can imagine you, you set up certain criteria. Like in Google, you can set up keywords. Like I set up a keyword for web development or web developers in mm-hmm. Bend, right? And then when anybody posts an article that has those keywords, then I get a notification about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, just for the fun of it. But you could set up something similar to that where... Maybe it's not that that specific, but you could like your you could tell like you could identify your interests and things like that. And then what you could see is you could almost see clusters of intensity out further out into space, further away. If those clusters are are people reading articles or having discussions about an article or something, um, as more people um, talk about and are engaged with that that piece of content then those uh, then it becomes more intense either visually somehow and then maybe it comes closer to the foreground and then you're notified of those things and you can like grab those in real time and like engage in the conversation yeah that would be so cool pretty cool yeah so there you go that's the web is there any other cutting edge sort of like web technologies that are interesting you in the node or socket world you know primarily i build business websites which for the most part are your typical brochure website. I mean, with added functionality in some cases. But what's really exciting is when you have a community. Uh, and and you can, I think you could experiment with some of these features when you have a community of people around a specific topic, right? Because when you have a business website, I don't know that random people are going to want to talk to each other, right? I mean, that wouldn't make sense to have a a live chat on your business page that people can just talk 
talk to each other about your business. I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to do that if I had a business. Well, another thing with Node is because it's built on V8, it has a really quick sort of well-optimized response time. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that a Node server is going to be primarily responsible for that. But the reason that a lot of enterprise companies, if if you take a look at Node.js or uh, Mm Node.js.org slash industry, there's a ton of big, big companies that use Node. And one of the reasons they do it is because of the blank window loading like thing. And everybody wants performance as a feature now, you know. What do you mean blank window loading? Just because well, so, when you load the website, there's nothing there until it loads? Right. So like me. Ajax solved the problem of the whole website not loading until all the data is ready. So Ajax allows for async. So like one little window might take a minute longer than another section, and that's fine. But uh, the whole point of Node is potentially you can implement Node.js and a bunch of NoSQL data stores in memory to extremely optimize the web to the point where everything feels as though it's happening uh, so quickly that it that it's mm-hmm. basically real time. So like even if you don't have any real time data, so like say it, we didn't have any real time data, just using the web server in Node along with some NoSQL stuff, no socket IO at all, none of that, nothing we've talked about already, and mm-hmm. you just want to return HTML or sorry, return JSON, and then use like H some kind of client library to render the json into the html like potentially mm-hmm. you could do that as fast as the the like within a millisecond right or maybe not a millisecond but like potentially within like six to ten milliseconds right like super quick right and, I mean, and that's where it's headed i mean that's where it has to be heading yeah i've been thinking about redoing my website and i have been trying to break the typical paged paradigm it seems what do you it mean? seems very stale. Well, you go to a page and you scroll down, and then you go to the next page and you scroll down. And why can't something you shared with me a while ago had something similar? But why can't a website be an experience that maybe maybe it's like the the entire website is a canvas and whatever you're v- viewing is just a small portion of that canvas, and then you can kind of navigate around around that uh, that canvas different parts of it that explain different different things so it's sort of like ako.net that like mathematic guy that we talked about a long time ago exactly and that's what i was talking about he doesn't have scroll um i don't think he has a, a concept of like the next post i think if you oh yeah he does unfortunately but what i thought he had was if you scroll to the very bottom it would like let you stop but then if you kept scrolling it would chunk you into the next post in a way so you did but he does actually have like a return to home button but it still doesn't a really cool animation Mm -hmm. so what what would you try to implement if you didn't have the concept of pages would you implement like endless infinite scrolling that's pretty much the common paradigm now if you don't want to go page you go infinite scrolling right well no scrolling at all i guess i'm thinking where each i guess each page is is the is the width of the screen Okay. So it's an experience. So yeah. it's forward, backward, up, down, deeper, yeah, further out. It's a, so I guess it is kind of that 3D experience I was trying to get at, but where there's no scrolling, but it's it's that each page and page isn't the right word. Each view is its own experience kind of. Yeah. 
that reminds me like i had this idea for ui for viewing a blog where you scroll down and there's like this leaf that like there's no text on this page and then you start scrolling down and there's in the very far background you see a piece of paper and it flies towards the screen as you scroll and then when you get about 25 percent down the page it slams itself up against the glass. It looks like it's like slammed up and then it, uh-huh. you get to the bottom and then it flicks out the bottom and then another one comes in. Oh, crazy. I just thought that'd be fun to do. That would be so cool. Yeah. There's uh, there's a website I had found a while ago that does something similar to what I was thinking of where each view is kind of its own experience, not really based on scrolling. They, you, can, you can navigate with the arrow keys. Anyway, it's onlinedepartment.nl. This is cool, and this reminds me of um, Marty Madrid, who was a uh, he worked with me in in the government. Mm-hmm. His website, which is marty.com, surprisingly he has marty.com. Go to marty.com. Yeah, I'm going there now. He was a former des- uh, manager of design managers, so he man he creates design teams, and he's like an absolutely brilliant user experience designer, and I've always been jealous of his site. He has at Smarty. Yeah. on Twitter. That's crazy. So good. He's one of the, by far the best social um, interactors I've ever met. Like he, his first goal when we got to DC was to be mayor of the White House on Foursquare, <laughs> which, he, oh. which he was. So that was funny. <laughs> that is crazy. He's a cool guy. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, wow. There he is. Martin Ringling. And then if you push up on each one, you get information. And then if you push down, you always get his information. But yeah, I think it's a really good use of, there's some parallax going on. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Yeah, something about that blurry fade. But I, I do like, oh wow, it's a timeline. Crazy. Oh wow. Cool, like display of data, huh? It's just an ongoing timeline all the way Wow, dude, that that is awesome. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's different, and I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Very unique. Mm-hmm. So that's our conversation about Node.js. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have more questions, please hit us up online at startgear.fm/webdev/twelve. Leave a comment there with some questions. We'd love to help, help you with some answers there. You can also email us Keith at startgear.fm and Dane startgear.fm or hit us up on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Let us know if there's a particular topic you'd like to hear and we will do our best to cover that. Yeah, thanks guys. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.